This is the Winnipeg Crime Stoppers podcast. See something, say something. Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. A podcast where we discuss crime prevention, awareness, our community involvement, those who are wanted, and unsolved crimes. My name is Shalinda Kirby, and I'll be your host. My name is Dougal Lamont. Uh, I'm the MLA for St. Boniface. I was elected in 2018, re-elected 2019. And I'm the leader of the provincial Manitoba Liberal Party, which is, people don't always realize, completely independent and separate from the federal Liberal Party of Canada, and have been for quite a long time. Sometimes people don't realize that. You know, I came from a family where justice was really important. I had a lot of lawyers in the family who considered themselves officers of the court. And if you don't know what that means, it means that they actually felt they had a higher calling to justice. There were things that even if they had a client who had done something and they thought they, thought they could get them off, if they were actually wrong, they didn't think that they should be getting off people who were, who were guilty, basically, right? This, you have to have the strongest possible to defense, but they have an obligation to justice that's higher than even their obligation to their client. Growing up, that was something that was super important to me, just like I could grow up in a law and order family. Tell us, what has life been like for you these days with the upcoming election looming? It's super, super busy. So basically, I usually work, uh, you know, I'd work to be clear about this. I volunteered for this. I wasn't drafted. Nobody made me do this. I'm the one in charge, so I don't have anyone to blame but myself. Uh, Super, super busy, though. So, yeah, we're nominating candidates, uh, you know, fundraising and things like that. But um, getting a platform ready, talking to people, going out to events, knocking on doors, everything. So it's I sort of work about I end up working probably 13 out of 14 days and then spend the last. I Yeah, it's instead of my day of rest being a Sunday, it's every second Sunday. And then I just lie down and have a nice long sleep <laughs> and then get up next, get up on Monday morning and start back at it. What knowledge did you have of the Crime Stoppers program other than maybe seeing the logo on the backdrop at a police conference or, you know, the back of a police car or a reenactment on TV? Well, I've known about it for a long time. I think I may even actually have given any couple of tips uh, way back when, uh, or because you're sometimes you're told to, right? So, yeah, look, it's it's a it's a program where people call in tips. They can get rewards. They can call in anonymously, which is actually really important uh, as a way of and it and it yeah and it can reward people actually for doing the right thing. Somebody made a really important point about community policing: is that it's not just for the police, like is that it's actually this idea that the entire community works together to enforce the law that's kind of the way that it should work so that we should and we should all feel safe being able to, to put forward and 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 make the and do that right so to me it's another really important part of justice is making sure that people can safely speak up to challenge people who've done something wrong right because in all sorts of different kinds of environments it can be a workplace non-criminal things but somebody does something wrong and they want to sweep it under the they, they want to sweep it under the rug it's so important for people to be able to speak up safely it's absolutely critical i mean you talk about it people speaking truth to power and actually that's one of the things that's so important about it is that it's you really are freeing people to speak and that's that's an important part it's the important part of justice it's one of the most important things aside from justice being enforced is making sure that people can feel free to speak up about wrongdoing and uh, and not be punished for it and not face retribution for it. That's one of the reasons that's so important to have organizations like Crime Stoppers. As a politician, as well as a citizen, how do you support law enforcement? Well, I mean, some of it is just is like being strict around the way that the law has to be enforced, right? So sometimes like if somebody is 
there's two ways about it. One is that is um, when someone has been wronged or hurt, and like as an MLA, we have people coming to us all the time who've been hurt one way or another. And sometimes it's and sometimes it is criminal. Like sometimes we're dealing with people, um, so we will advocate for people. Uh, so somebody might come to us and say, "Look, I've been assaulted," or "I've experienced domestic violence." So especially for women and with kids. We work them to get housing. We work them to make sure that they have a safe place to stay. We'll work with them as much as we can without getting involved in the legal process, but to advocate for them and connect them with who they need to and help them file reports. So we absolutely try to do that. We need to make sure we have good tools for law enforcement and actually improving those tools. So there's all sorts of, I'll give you an example. There was an article in March about how there's uh, sex and child trafficking that's happening in Manitoba. It, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere across Canada. But in Manitoba and in other provinces, these people have actually set up companies. They are operating as companies registered with the province of Manitoba. But because they don't have to say who owns them and they don't have to say where the money's coming from or where their money is going, they can get away with it. So there are at least, the Globe and Mail investigation reported there were at least six different locations where, and these are international gangs. So one of the things we've said, and we've worked with a couple of other human trafficking groups is to say, we need a registry of all these businesses. And if we have a registry of all these businesses, it just say, well, like, who owns it? Who's making the money from it? And what are you actually doing? <laughs> and if we could actually find that stuff out, it would give prosecutors and police really strong new tools to be able to crack down on and track human trafficking. And that is a huge priority for us. I mean, that's one. I mean, the general safety, but also, you know, you have to make sure victims are supported. You have to make sure that the police and prosecutors have the tools and resources they need, which right now they don't. We we have to put more money into that. And I literally just got a report just came out an hour ago about how Manitoba's court system doesn't, they're still doing stuff on paper. They're underfunded. They're understaffed. So So part of it is to make sure that you have a situation where people can speak up. It's this whole continuum, right? We actually have to do a ton of work along the way to make sure that we're we're supporting law enforcement and the justice system in being able to do their jobs. But the other is to is to try to find a way. We also need a, a prevention focus because if we want, we if we can get prevent people from ever getting into trouble in the first place, that's also the goal. And to keep them from getting into trouble again, we also want to do that. It's a multi pronged effort. A lot of it actually has to do with making sure people are having rules making sure people are following the rules and then making sure that whether it's police or law enforcement, that they have the resources they need to run investigations and to run prosecutions, sometimes against criminals who have sometimes a lot of money. You have to be, it's not fighting fire with fire, but you at least have to match, you have to match legal firepower. And sometimes that takes money. So making sure that there are crowns and, uh, and police have the resources and to make sure that they're being funded properly, which they haven't been for like for the last few years. I make a joke that, you know, people talk about defunding the police, which is, you know, it's not quite what people mean, right? The reality is that police in Manitoba have been defunded for about the last seven years. Their, their budgets have been frozen. Um, and, and we need to make sure that they're taken care of. In the past, the Liberal government in Manitoba has shown interest in creating a new provincial police force. To basically put more officers in understaffed and remote areas, is this still something that you'd like to see happen? Back in April, we just put out we just put out four little policies um, about what we're doing as part of a we're going to be announcing a much broader platform. But that was specifically 
that was about bringing in this new registry that would require businesses that would enable enable police and uh, and prosecutors to investigate and crack down on human trafficking. That was the first thing because human trafficking is a huge problem in Manitoba for a variety of reasons. But that's that's one of the major things that we're talking about. The other is actually there was a case recently where there was a young woman who ended up she had a mental illness. I understand and she was in jail. She ended up being in jail and then being sort of uh, released. She should probably not have. I mean, because of her mental condition, it was she was she was arrested, but hadn't necessarily done something you know seriously criminal. But you have a situation where people are being sort of tossed out onto the streets to reoffend. So part of that is just to say we need some halfway houses in Manitoba, and we don't actually have any provincial halfway houses. So that's a way of saying if once somebody's done their time, that they go in and they actually have a a roof over their head, they can get training, they will not be around other people who will persuade them to go back into crime. That's one of the things. Having effective anti-gang measures, uh, which we haven't had, there are some really good anti-gang programs that we should really be running. There was one that worked and then was shut down, and it works out of the hospital, right? So HSC, you'll get somebody coming in, they're a young 21-year-old or whatever, or 17-year-old, and they've been stabbed. Well, why is it that they've been stabbed? Well, it's because they're because of a gang violence. Right away, they walk into the ER, they talk to a doctor who talks to them about it, and then they connect them with somebody who will help them get out of the life. That's one of the ways in which you sort of you start to break up those gangs and by picking essentially picking people off one by one, and they know it works because they don't end up back in the ER. Like that's one of the ways. So having these anti-gang approaches, those are both uh, really important and. Cracking down on illicit drugs is actually a really important thing. I, I was at a committee where legal cannabis dealers were complaining about what's happening in Manitoba. And they said, look, this is crazy because here you are, you've opened this up. We're supposed to be, all these people put money into running their own legal cannabis stores and the province isn't doing anything to shut down the illegal ones or the ones that are operating online. And not only are they illegal, they're also selling illegal cannabis which hasn't been approved, which can have anything in it, you know, and gummies and all sorts of other stuff where there's no standards and it hasn't been checked to make sure that it's safe. But they're also selling other drugs that are that are illegal. This is a criminal enterprise and we're not shutting it. And, and currently, the government isn't doing anything to shut it down, even though if we had tobacco, like we bust tobacco all the time, <laughs> right? So we need to be cracking down on illicit cannabis sales and those other drugs to because that's that money is fueling is fueling more crime as well. Those are two areas which are really important. They're both big organized crime areas. Like these are not people think of these things. I think of being you know you'll have small time or corner dealers or whatever. But ultimately, you know, it leads back to a much larger larger organization that's doing this. So we need to beef up that. And actually, I won't leave out white collar crime either because you know we have a lot of crime which is. Um, small property crime and it's scary like i've had i've had a break-in at my house it's scary you know when people get hurt or assaulted it is scary like it is is terrifying it, you you lose so much confidence it's really terrible how it affects people right and and we all know someone who's in that position or people who've lost family right even in into a, to a violent crime it's terrible so we do need to have to beef up victims services and victims rights and it's sorry the other thing about it is the white collar aspect of it where people can steal millions or they, they, they're getting away with huge amounts of really huge crimes and then they don't end up being held to account. So there, there's actually a big commercial crime aspect to it too, which we need to crack down on because 
it's a big business, and I would rather the crime didn't pay. As the provincial election approaches, October 3rd, by the way, the Manitoba Liberals made a series of policy commitments back in April of this year on things like health, reconciliation, education, and crime. In regards to the issue of crime, specifically in Winnipeg, even though I know you obviously represent the province, in what ways would you like to see change? And and what is the liberal stance on crime reduction and prevention? It's not in our platform. I'll tell you, it's not in our platform this year. I do think it is really, really important because policing, there have been big cuts. And as a result, there are big parts of the province which just aren't even aren't even covered. So we at least need to, the province needs to step up and make sure that municipalities can afford police. Recently, the federal government said, uh, you know, you should get body cameras, right? Which is great. And then the, then people are saying, well, municipalities are saying, well, we're on the hook for the cost of this. Well, it is good to have body cameras. It is good to have, make sure that these things are recorded. The province should be stepping up to do that. But the other is we, we need to, there are a number of things we need to be doing. One, because there have been, you know, there, we keep on hearing issues with the RCMP. We need good oversight for our police. We need well-trained police officers. Part of it actually was that we wanted community policing. We wanted to focus on community policing where we're recruiting from Manitoba. It's no criticism of the RCMP is that they're in, the thing that makes them a national police force. They're a contract police force. They hire people from all over. So it's good to have somebody from the local community. The other is stronger integration and ha- and having police forces that look like our communities, right? So that helps build trust. I, I really do think in the last couple of years, there have been these challenges with trust, um, you know, whether it's, you know, around Black Lives Matter. And so people are sort of attacking the police, but really what we need to do, it's essential that we rebuild trust. Part of that is um, is in training and investing in more community policing across the province and having the province of Manitoba step up and make sure that municipalities can pay for that, pay for that community policing, that there's a presence because we have a place out in rural Manitoba. They used to have an RCMP office. There was a break-in. They were sort of holding on to the guy, and it took three hours for for it. You it would have taken two minutes before, and all of a sudden it took three hours for a, a, a vehicle to drive all the way across. It's not safe. Like I, when I say I'm a big believer in law and order, you actually have to have a law and order presence, and we cannot have a situation where parts of the province are lawless. <laughs> like that's that's kind of how I feel about it. So making sure that all those things work, and like so much of it really needs to be about rebuilding, rebuilding and extending that trust. Because I'll say there was a really good report from the Manitoba Children's Advocate. It was about a, a serious conflict between um, police, a police-involved shooting. The takeaway was that the, for people who'd had a good experience with a police officer, it was incredibly important for them. Like if they had a good experience where they trusted them, where everything worked out, it's huge. It is so huge. So we need to be focusing. That's what we need to be focusing on providing more of. And I think we do need to expand the role of Indigenous and First Nations police because they've actually been very successful and uh, they're able to, both in terms of their handling with of, of, of situations, de-escalating situations, and just getting people to work together more and just having a greater law enforcement, uh, community law enforcement presence across Manitoba is critical actually going forward. Now, what kind of relationship would you like to see the provincial government have with police? What I, how I think it should work, I mean, it should be almost all police work for municipalities, right? So that there's, there's this gap. The one challenge here is that, is that I don't think we've had enough independent oversight. Like there needs to be, 
and, and everyone needs to get comfortable with that, right? Like I think for police, I agree. Like they haven't, they do, they have incredibly hard jobs. Like I, again, as an MLA, like I said, we deal with victims. We deal with people who've undergone terrible trauma. We hear their stories, but the police actually see it. I might hear about something that terrible that happened or traumatic had happened. And I find that difficult to carry. I can't imagine what it's like for all, for officers who see this stuff in person who are, where it's playing out in front of them. So that's like, that's an incredible burden for them to bear as well. So we have to recognize that there's a reason why uh, police band together um, because there are people who want to hurt them, <laughs> you know, including organized criminals and others, people who really, really are against everything that they stand for. We need to have, make sure that we have a good oversight where police feel comfortable again, where everybody feels comfortable being able to speak up and, and, and deal with wrongdoing or, or correct behavior. So we need to have that oversight. But the, the critical thing is that the province of Manitoba needs to make sure that again, I'll, I'll try to simplify it again, that there are rules, that the rules are being followed and enforced properly and that people have the resources to, to do all that stuff. Based on the auditor, there's just an auditor general's report that came out today about the, about the courts. Those things aren't in place. Like that's, it was like, and and earlier this year, the Association of Manitoba Municipalities, we had a debate and they said, look, we, we like, how are we going to enforce the law? It, because I'll say the other thing about it is it's very expensive, but we need to recognize that, yeah, maintaining order in society is something worth spending money on, right? Obviously, like making sure that our justice system really works properly, that it is delivering justice, it's delivering justice on time. It is so, so important because just going back from the hurts that people experience and the wrongs that people experience, you can't always heal. You can't always bring everything back, but it is really, really important for people to see for, for justice to be done and the justice be seen to be done. Quite frankly, in Manitoba, we sometimes struggle to do that. <laughs> so this is really about making sure that we, we can make sure that we have the best quality police force. We're supporting people and supporting officers to do the best job they possibly can. I see the role of province needs to be in in rebuilding rebuilding trust. It's a it's one of the hardest things you can do because once trust is lost, it's 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 like popping a balloon, right? It's hard to tape a balloon that you've popped back together. But that is absolutely that is absolutely critical. And so we have to build trust with police officers, and we have to build trust between police officers and the communities they serve. And to recognize there is good work being done, and there is sometimes great work being done. We need to build on that. Ultimately, it's about Making communities safer should also, in the end of the day, be about making police officers' jobs easier, not harder. And so, so you have to do a whole bunch of those things all together. But, um, but yeah, it is critically important, especially because we've seen like a really serious rise in crime, uh, which which is really concerning. I live near downtown, and and you know there have been people who've been seriously injured in my in my constituency. Sorry, the one other thing is making sure. Freeing up also is freeing up police to be able to work on police work. When people talk about there, there are folks who don't need, who really need to be dealt with either by mental health services or by addiction services. They're not committing crimes. They're causing problems publicly, but they're not committing crimes. And you have situations where police officers may end up sitting with somebody in an ER for 13 hours when really there's somebody else who should be doing that, when the police should be doing something else. So some of it is about the other thing we've proposed. One is anti-gang measures. One is, you know, making sure that these things are resourced. But the other part of it is just 
having teams of folks that the police uh, or EMS or whatever other, or maybe even EMS can, can, can be stepping in instead of police to deal, to, to deal with the situation. If it's a healthcare issue, let the healthcare deal with it. So we're freeing up, freeing up police and police resources. Like, so some of it is just in good planning and making sure that there is somebody else to do that job. Cause that's, I'll say one more thing is that there's certain, it's like there are certain buckets that people, everybody falls into and nobody can be turned away. So one of the things is the police end up having to deal with all these things that aren't police issues because nobody else is fixing them. So they're dealing with homelessness. Please don't give away houses. <laughs> they're, they're not in charge of housing or addictions, and they're not in charge of addictions or mental health, and they're not psychologists. Let's So let's make sure that those other things are there so police can have a place to take these folks, keep them safe in a way, both for their own sake and for the sake of others. Part of it is like expanding, those, making sure those services are in place as well. It sounds counterintuitive to say you're going to add these other things. They're all a lot lower cost and more effective than throwing them in jail. And before you go, I wanted to touch on a personal success story that you have. The one thing that we did that we're really, really proud of is that for the first time in 40 years, we got Peter Nygaard arrested. I will take credit for that 100%. Uh, we, we worked with, with survivors who came to us as Manitoba liberals, and we called on the government to say, look, we don't understand why this guy's never been charged. So can you please take this to somebody else and figure out why? And they took it to a Saskatchewan Crown prosecutor who said, you know what, we're going to charge him in Winnipeg. I'm very proud of that, but it was also deeply moving because of we were dealing with survivors who've been calling out for that's that's an example of like people calling out for help and to be able to help to play any role in that at all. It's very gratifying. Makes my job all worthwhile. Thank you for being a guest on the Winnipeg Crime Stoppers podcast. In fairness, as a board, we're going to feature the Honorable Kelvin Gertzen, Minister of Justice, on behalf of the Honorable Heather Stephenson, Premier of Manitoba. He's going to have the opportunity to speak on building safer communities and crime reduction as well on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow. Crime Stoppers is an anonymous way to provide police with information about a crime or potential crime that you have knowledge of. You never have to reveal your identity. And the best part is if your tip leads to an arrest, we will pay you a cash reward. You can submit a tip by calling 1-800-222-TIPS or send an anonymous tip online on our website, winnipegcrimestoppers.com. Until next time, my name is Shalinda Kirby. And remember, see something? Say something.